0: Begin in the Gospel of Luke, ah. chapter, chapter 10. chapter 10 verse 38 now it happened as they went they entered a certain village a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus feet and heard his word but Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said Lord Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried or anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Every year down this time, I, we go back to this passage or share something from this because it's a most important message. And um, it's just a short little passage, but it says a lot. There's a tremendous message in this. And as we go back and look at it a little more carefully... Jesus welcomed Jesus, Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. Martha and Mary are the sisters of Lazarus, who later Jesus would raise from the dead. Uh, So she welcomes him into her house, it says. And the sister, Mary, sat at Jesus feet and heard his word as Jesus was speaking it says but Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said Lord don't you care that my sister is leaving me do all this work this serving by myself tell her to help me. It sounds by the tone, Martha's tone, that she thought that Jesus was going to be sympathetic to her. And Jesus was going to tell uh, Mar- uh, Mary, hey, Mary, you know, what are you doing, being lazy? Get over there and help your sister. what's the matter with you? And it's not Jesus' answer at all. Jesus' answer is, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But you see your sister... He said, the one thing is needful and your sister has chosen it. Here we have Jesus coming into somebody's house and Jesus speaking and someone, the person who invited Jesus into the house is too busy to listen to him. Too busy to hear what he has to say. And not only that, she begins to get upset with her sister. Who is listening to the Lord of Heaven speaking God was speaking and she was too busy one thing is needful the annual message we have in June every June concerning this passage and what it means God is speaking in many ways and here you see that Mary is listening to the Lord, and someone is trying to pull her away from it. Yeah. Our fellowship with God, we have an enemy is trying to distract us and take us away, divert us away from communication, from fellowship with Him. We have an enemy of our soul. We have plenty of people that he will use to try to distract us and divert us from fellowship with him. It says she was distracted with much serving. Now, what was this this serving all about? It seems that Martha had invited Jesus into this house and that they were, she was making something, you know, to serve him and everything, you know, to serve food and to have, you know, all kinds of preparations and everything. And so it wasn't like she was doing something bad in the sense of, you know, you know, normal stuff that we do to serve one another in this in this case, Jesus came to the house to serve Jesus and everything, preparing food or a feast or whatever. But you see that her priorities were out of whack. And she didn't see that. And Jesus confronted her about it. When she, when she thought that Jesus would agree with her, Jesus did not agree with her. Matter of fact, she said, your sister's right. You're the one who's wrong because your priorities are out of order. One thing is needful. The thing is then that was needful that Mary was doing, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Eternal things have priority. They, they don't go away. Those things are eternal. The things are eternal. Those things are things that will continue on. God was speaking, and she had no time to hear it, but Mary did. Mary was listening. She put everything else aside. Yeah, we'll get to that later, but right now the Lord is speaking. I want to hear what he has to say. Now, people will look at a story like this and say, Well, you know, if Jesus came to my house, I certainly would do that too. You know, I would stop everything. And Jesus came to our and walked in our house and sat down and started talking, yeah, everybody stop everything. Let's sit down and listen. He is speaking now. He's not here physically, but he is here. He is present. The Bible says wisdom cries out in the street. In the book of Proverbs. The Bible says that the heavens declare God's glory and the firmament his handiwork. His existence, his power, his presence are, are, are seen through the things he's created. Psalm 46 says, Be still. And know that I am God. <clears throat> you see that Mary wasn't even talking. She wasn't giving her laundry list of needs at this point. She was just hearing. She was being still before the boy. So well, I can't see him. It's okay. By faith we believe in his presence. We believe he is here. He's given evidence of his existence, his power, and his presence. But sometimes we don't perceive those things because we're not still. We're too busy. Life, this is 2023. There's, there's YouTube now. There's business. There's entertainment. There's all this stuff that we can call on that appeal, that benefit, not our spirit, but our flesh, our human nature. And so, that's why we have to make a decision and to choose who we will serve. You are anxious and troubled about many things. We can see that in our lives a lot, can't we? We're anxious and troubled about many things. We're not at peace with things in our life. We don't have the peace of God ruling our hearts. But yet the Bible says, let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Where does that peace come from? It comes from Him. It comes as we come to Him. And cast our burdens upon him. Come to me, all you are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is an answer to all the the worries and troubles, this anxiety. She was on the merry-go-round of life. And she was burdened down, <clears throat> even with Jesus in her house. Jesus' presence didn't make a difference. To Martha because she wasn't on the same channel she wasn't listening she heard his she might have heard his voice while she was busy she wasn't taking heed she wasn't being still and cutting out the distractions and we can come to the Word of God and we can read it but not hear it not hear it in our hearts. We have to be still before the Word of God and and listen to what God is saying and to seek God and to pray, God, what are you saying? Lord, teach me, guide me, show me what I need to hear today. Feed Feed my soul. We feed our bodies, we have to feed our soul also. But it is through communication with Him. And him communicating with us. Some people say, Oh, I pray and I talk and, and to God and everything, and I'm and I'm giving I'm telling all my burdens, casting all my burdens on him, and it doesn't feel like he's even around. You feel like he's a million miles away. Maybe it's because we're doing all the talking. We're not doing any listening. <clears throat> Have you ever met somebody who's just like it's like a talking machine and just doesn't stop talking and just going on and on and on and on and on. You know, it makes for a tough time to have communication, a relationship with that person because you're only hearing about them. They're not hearing about you. It's difficulty there. It's not only us speaking to God, but allowing God to speak to us. Speak to us when we come to his word. Speak to us in time of worship in prayer. To humble ourselves before God and worship him. And and seek him. and, And then let him speak to us. To have quiet time. That's why they call it quiet time. We're not talking. We're listening. We say, well, I don't hear anything. It's not God speaking in our ears for the most part. It's him speaking into our hearts. Let him communicate with us. God is a spirit, Jesus said. And those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit. Communication from spirit to spirit. Our heart with him and his heart with us. And so we just have to sit back and just wait on the Lord. And sometimes we'll walk away and say, I didn't hear anything. I didn't get anything. If you made the time, God communicated and it may not come out right away. I, I can tell you from personal experience that some thoughts that have come to my mind in those quiet times have not made, not really even, you know, meant anything to me until maybe a day or two later. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I remember those thoughts that came to my mind a, a couple of days ago. You know, it's like God speaks to us. He says he does. Wisdom cries out in the streets. It speaks through the universe, the things He's created through nature. God is speaking to us in different ways. But the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of times we just don't ha- we don't have ourselves in the place to hear. And so, this is a message about being in the about being in the right place, about being in the right position. Not off, too busy. Mary was sitting at Jesus's feet. She was in position to hear. and the Lord was speaking, she was getting it. Martha wasn't. Mary went to go to uh, Matthew. 13 Matthew 13 and um, In verse 3 and he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower, sower is someone who plants seed, went out to sow, sow seed. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell in stony places where they did not have much earth. And immediately they sprang up, because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, some of you have experience with gardens and farms. I do gardens at work and I do gardens at home. And one thing I can tell you for sure... Is that weeds are one of the worst enemies of your plants bearing fruit. I can remember sometimes when I was a kid, sometimes my brother and I were in charge of weeding the garden, we get a little lazy. And my parents didn't check lines I what and then she would say, Well, my mom would say, Why well, are we not getting any hardly any, you know, this or that. Yeah, I don't know, was not, I guess it's not doing good this year, Mom. And then, then Mom would go out and look in the garden. And you see weeds this high. And you see these puny plants trying to fight between the weeds. And, yeah, of course you're not going to get much. It was a bad year because there was bad tending to the, to the soil. <coughs> weeds can surely choke out. Good plants. It's a funny thing about them. And Jesus explains what these weeds are, these thorns, in verse 22. Now he who received the seeds among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Other uh, accounts of this, the other gospel accounts say also, and the desire or lust for many things, desire for many things or lust for many things, choke out the word, and it become unfruitful. That's why the apostle John, in 1 John says, love not the world, or the things of this world. Why? Because it's thorns. Those are the thorns, the things of this world. They're the thorns. And just like weeds will choke out, you know, a whole patch of vegetables in the same way, the things of this world will choke out the the good seed. Prevented from bearing fruit, the word of God. We hear the word, we begin to follow the word, but then something happens. The cares of this world what are the cares of this world? Business. Entertainment, pleasure, all kinds, self-pleasing, self-will—the things of this life, the things that please our human nature. It doesn't mean you never can have any fun or enjoy anything in life. It's just that you better get it under control, or it's going to choke the word out, and it's going to become—you're un- going to become unfruitful. Jesus said. It is the Father's will that we bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Much fruit. Not a little, a lot of fruit. But if we hear the word and we're too busy, we got all the things of this life. The cares of this world doesn't mean they're all sin. You know, cares of this world might mean just, you know, being driven by, you know, Business and driven by uh, family and driven by you know pleasing others. We talked last week about uh, you know be acceptance of others. You know social status, acceptance, opinion of peers and friends and relatives, and they become a plague. They choke the word out and we become unfruitful. And they divert us from fellowship with God. Because we're driven for these things. Say, well, you don't know what my life is like. You know, people have children to raise. People have businesses to run. They have all these different things to do. And And then the excuses begin. What we do know is that there are 24 hours in a day. And it's not all for us just to do whatever. But we've been bought by the blood of Christ. We are not belong to ourselves. We belong to him. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. He gave himself for us. He's the Lord of heaven. He wants us to talk to Him, and He wants to talk to us. He wants us to worship Him. He wants to lift us up and fill us with His Spirit. But we make all the excuses for why we can't do that, why we don't have time for that. And we do. And we may not even realize we're making excuses Justifications or other things, we don't even recognize it because it become become woven in as such a fabric in our life. We don't even recognize it. We don't even recognize. We might recognize some of it. We don't recognize the extent of it. Lord, open our eyes that we might see. We read a couple of weeks ago that they might see. <coughs> But he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word understands, and indeed bears fruit and produces some hundred, some sixty and some thirty. And Jesus says, "Come to me, if you' are thirsty, and out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The flowing and filling of the Holy Spirit be under the anointing and the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. You you come to Him. You come to Him with our burden we're heavily laden and He gives us rest. But what does it look like if we don't do that? We know. We're anxious and troubled about many things. We're Martha. We're on the merry-go-round of life. We're not bearing much fruit, maybe a few sour apples, but we're not really bearing fruit the way Jesus is talking about. The way Jesus wants to use us, the way he wants to uh, reach out through us. One thing is needful. He narrows it down that narrow, one thing. Priority number one in life. One thing that is needful above everything else that Martha was doing. One thing is needful. Fellowship with God. And you see from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, where Jesus is having a conversation with a Samaritan woman. He reveals something about the Father. John chapter 4 and verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Women, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the capa- the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is Spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I think this is one of those passages that's really necessary to meditate on, to understand what Jesus is saying here, that the Father—say, what kind of a of a of a person desires people to worship him. Say, is is he on some ego trip? What is, people have said that about God. And you see that Lucifer, the fallen angel, that's what he wanted. I want to be like God. And he wanted to be worshipped too. And he fell. Worship belongs to God. God is the one, the creator of life and of the universe, our Creator, the lover of our soul and the giver of life he's the only one worthy of that but he's desiring of this relationship this back and forth relationship with him something real, not fake, not plastic not something on the back burner that we go and visit that's just, you know this little secret part of our life it must become our life God is spirit. God is a spirit. And he desires us to communicate from our spirit to his spirit. With him and with him with us. To be still. And to know that he is God in a very different way. To sense his presence inside of us. In our inner man. His spirit... Promise to all those who come to Him and believe on Him and follow Him that He will, we will be born of the Spirit if we take heed to Him and follow Him. We have our plans, we have our ideas, all the things that we have mapped out inside our minds, plans. Book of James says, people say, you know, we're going to go to this city and do this and that and the other thing. And James says, such thinking is arrogant, but we should say instead, if the Lord wills, we should do this or that. Put God into our life and let Him be the director and guide of our life. And instead of making all these plans and then hoping God will bless them. It's the other way around. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will direct your path.
1: That's
0: what I have today, brothers. If you just want to uh, respond to that. Anything else take into account? 1 Thessalonians Chapter four verses, uh, verse sixteen to eighteen, and then chapter five, verses one to nine. So basically, chapter four, first Thessalonians, chapter four, verse sixteen to chapter five, verse nine.
1: For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the, the, as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Jesus will come like a thief in the night <clears throat> without warning. Well, there's there are warnings. We're reading the warnings all over. We read the warnings all over the Bible, in the New Testament especially. The warnings are there. And Jesus and the apostles said there would be signs of His coming. And the signs, there are signs that are there. But in fact, that it's still going to be a surprise. It's going to come suddenly, just like a burglar breaking into a house in the middle of the night, unexpected. So it leads to a lot of debate at what point that Jesus will return. And there's been a lot of debate in Christendom as to exactly what point he will return in the middle of all this. And we're not here to really debate that. This, what we read here, is more of a wake-up call. He says, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Because we can really fall asleep on this and become numb to it. However long you've been a Christian, you've probably been hearing that Jesus will return. I've been hearing it since I was a child. I remember when I was Growing up in the Catholic Church, I used to hear there was a saying, the testimony of your faith, Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. But the fact of the matter is, when I was growing up in the parish I was a part of and, and all of that, there was really no serious reality of that. When I asked my mom about it, she said, oh, well, that just means that that's at the end of the world. That's not for a long time. Now, I don't know whether she was saying that because that's the way she felt about it, or she was trying to keep me from being scared. Because if you don't have faith in Christ, it can be an awful scary thing to hear. If you're not secure in Christ, some of the things that you read about can sound awful scary.
1: <clears throat>
0: but it says, God did not appoint us for judgment, in verse 9. For his wrath or his anger, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Whether we live here or whether we die, we're going to be with him. So if we're with him now, we'll be with him then. And that's what this is all about, is like Paul said, let us not sleep as others do. Let's not become numb lukewarm. We might find ourselves there today. might be in that place today. And so, when Paul wrote this to the Thessalonian church, maybe some of them were getting like that. Maybe that's why he wrote that. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. The Bible says that he is is coming for those who are looking for his appearing. Who are watching. It is one of the things that we continually remind each other of. As it says here in verse 11, Therefore comfort each other and build each other up just as you are doing. Comfort each other with these words that we have here. In verse 18 we read that, Therefore comfort one another with these words. Jesus is coming. The dead in Christ will rise first. And the we who are alive and remain be caught up with them. We shall not all sleep. We we all shall be changed, it says in another place. In verse 3 he says, when they say peace and safety then sudden destruction shall come upon them. If you listen to the news or if you read the news reports on the internet or watch some of the videos there's a lot of scared people about the things that are coming on this earth. Think about some of them. The talk of shortages, shortages of food and supplies, fuel, gas, heating oil, natural gas, nuclear power and all the backlash of all the problems of nuclear power, all the dangers of it. They turn to electric power, but the, all the the back the backwash of the problems with electric cars and electric and all the things that uh, that it's doing, how they get the materials to make electric cars and all that stuff, just stripping mountains and things like that. <clears throat> Bad food. The things they're doing to food. GMO bad water. The way they're polluting the water, most people don't dare drink tap water anymore, without, at least without a filler on it. Dangers to health. Darkness. Many people are delving into sorcery, witchcraft. They're looking for answers to find peace And adventure, and hope, and help. An immoral society. Jesus said the days of His coming were like to be like the days of Lot, Sodom, and Gomorrah. Immorality, homosexuality, gay parades, gay pride. When I was a when I was a little kid, those things were not happening. They're happening. It's coming. It's coming out of the closet, and people are coming out of the closet and declaring themselves, so proudly declaring themselves with pride, the perversions of, of the, that the Bible warns against, the dangers. the immorality in 1963 they legalized pornography and after that rape went up incredibly kept on doubling over and over and over again all kinds of bad things are happening with this kind of immorality all kinds of immorality going on children, all kinds of things, horrible things we're not even going to talk about. <clears throat> a violent society. When do we not hear about a shooting, several shootings in Philadelphia from day to day? It's not just in Philly. It's in Nars Town. It's all around us. It's even in the suburbs and even out in remote places. Mass shootings. Jesus said the days of his coming would be like the days of Noah. That there was violence in the earth. And this violence is growing. There's a great deal of unrest in our world. And anger and greed and selfishness. Like Paul says would be in the last days. Government corruption. The Bible says that people in the last days will be truce breakers. Breaking of contracts. Breaking of treaties. Breaking of marriages. Marriage covenants. Threats of international war. Nuclear threats. That's been hanging over us since I was a little kid, even before that, in the 50s, where I was born even. <clears throat> artificial intelligence. I heard a news report last week where all these different organizations, these higher-up organizations, were demanding the ha- a halt to artificial intelligence because it could threaten civilization of mankind they see it then that dangerous there is real fear in this world and there is a cry for peace and safety because of it to try to come together and to legislate and to control these dangers when they say peace and safety is when one of the signs of his coming technological and grid, electrical grid terrorism. Every kind of terrorism. There's fear of every kind. 9-11 was not the first terroristic attack. nor will be the last. We've seen some since then. So that's just a little bit of a look at current events. <clears throat> from there we go to Matthew chapter 24 I'm going to pick around in this so I'll read this Steve
1: Okay.
0: <clears throat> Beginning in verse 1, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, that one stone shall be left upon here, here upon another, that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the mountain of olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age, the end of this present age. So this starts out and this this discussion starts out with Jesus talking about how the temple would be destroyed. He says, not one stone would be left upon another. And so they went out and and his disciples came to him. Well, when's this going to happen? When will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Three questions asked there. And in one speech, Jesus answers all three questions. So when will... And so we have to discern which one is which. When is the sign of his coming? When is the end of the age? When would the temple be destroyed? And all three are answered in one. We know for sure... History tells us, and you can go see the ruins if you go over to Jerusalem, the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. And so some of the things that he talks about here happened then. But he also says, in verse 4, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there will be famine, pestilence, or plagues, diseases and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. The word sorrows here is translated sorrows, actually means labor pains, travail, labor pains, of like a woman with child. If you go to the book of Hosea 13.13, 13, we, won't, we won't go there, but it says, it talks about the sorrows of a woman in childbirth, Shall come upon him. Talk about Ephraim, about Israel. And what happened to the nation of Israel is that God began in stages to bring judgment against the nation of Israel until they were completely wiped wiped away, and complete judgment had come upon them, and they were taken away captive, and the judgment was finished. And it talked about it being like labor pains. And Jesus here uses the same terminology labor pains when a woman is having a baby increase in frequency and intensity as she gets closer to having the baby when the end comes when Jesus returns there's going to be before he returns there's going to be an increase of war and famines and pestilences and plagues diseases does COVID one I'm sure probably I would say speculate that but there has been an increase in all of these things earthquakes most specifically have increased in the last 40 50 60 years there's been a tremendous increase in labor pain, in uh, earthquakes, one of the labor pains, as well as famines, as well as pestilences. Many of the diseases that that have happened during my lifetime weren't there at the beginning of my lifetime. Never heard of. All these are the beginning of labor pains. Verse 21, For then shall be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days will be shortened, no flesh would be saved or survived. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. The elect, those who are in Christ, for the sake of them, Jesus will return and stop history. And it'll be the end of the age that Jesus was talking about. The sign, they asked him the signs of his coming and the end of the age. He will stop and avert the disaster that people are crying out for now, peace and safety. The things that they're crying out for, fear. In the Gospel of Luke, it talks about men's hearts failing them for the things that are coming upon the earth. The roaring of the waves with perplexity. There's been much talk about global warming. Yeah. And one of the dangers of global warming is actually happening. The, ice, the Arctic and the Antarctic ice caps are melting. The frozen Great North and Great South, are they're, they're melting. And the great danger of that is it's going to raise sea levels. And the raising of sea level, the fear that they have of that is going to create tidal waves and the losing of coastlines and everything else. It's already happening to some degree. But as they see global warming, there's this great cry of safety to stop these greenhouse gases they believe are causing <coughs> it. And when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them. Great judgment, great signs and wonders and judgments, yes, they are in the future. But Jesus said he would come like a thief in the night. And when is he coming? Before all these things happen? In the middle of them or at the end of them? It's great debate in Christendom about that. The important thing that Jesus said is to be ready. In verse 11, many false prophets will arise and deceive many. False teachings, false messiahs. And because iniquity abounds, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. The wisdom of Christ, knowing the future, that the gospel would reach every corner of the earth, and then the end would come. But he also warns that the love of many would grow cold because of the wickedness, because of the pressure, and the evil, and the immorality, and the ungodliness of this world. He warned that many in Christendom, would grow, their love would grow cold. Same as we read in the book of Revelation. When he confronts the, the church at Laodicea, and he confronts the church at Ephesus, they left their first love. Their love had grown cold. And they had become lukewarm. That we must continue in the things that we learn. Who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And we endure to the end by faith in what we've heard and continuing in the things that we've heard by faith to be- continue believing, continue feeding our faith. Verse 23, then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, we're there, don't believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect, even the church. See, I've told you this beforehand, ahead of time. Look, I've warned you this. Don't fall for this. There are going to be people who are going to rise up, who are going to seem to have all the answers. They might have mystical powers. They may have supernatural powers of some degree. Says the false prophet in the book of Revelation, be able to do all kinds of miracles and call fire down from the sky. Supernatural power, but not from God. They will show great signs and wonders to deceive even the church if possible. Behold, I have warned you ahead of time. In verse 32, Now learn the parable from the fig tree. its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves. You know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, know that it is near, near at the very door. Surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but by words will not pass away. Now here's the thing about this. Jesus is telling about a time to recognize a certain trend, a certain time period. Now, when he said, this generation shall not pass away until all things are fulfilled, some people believe it meant Jesus' generation. Now, for some of it, of what Jesus talked about, like the temple being torn down and Jerusalem being destroyed, that happened during, at his generation. But he also talks about the generation that would see the fig tree begin to put forth his leaves, begin to see the signs of his coming. That generation would not pass away until all things would be fulfilled. And we say to ourselves, are we that generation? There's certainly plenty of signs that would be, that would that would indicate that. As we speculate or we that's that generation. Is Jesus coming in our lifetime? Jesus said no one would know that day or hour. But he said there would be signs to indicate it's near at the very door. There would be signs. I have a fig tree as fig trees here and you, if you look outside now you'll see that they have leaves on them and summer is near. Summer officially is in on June 20th somewhere around there. It's only about a week away, week and a half away, it's showing that summer is near. In the same way All the things that we're seeing happening in our society, in our world, and all the fear and all the anxiety and all the declaration of peace and safety and all the scrambling to legislate and to get control of things before they get completely out of hand. Because in the book of Revelation it says God is going to destroy those who are destroying the earth. Yes, yes. The earth is being destroyed. And it is by the grace of God he's going to stop the madness. And he is going to shorten those days, lest no one would survive. The fig tree is putting forth its leaves. Take heed and take notice and act accordingly. It says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. That Noah moved with godly fear to the saving of his household for the day of judgment of his generation. And that's why I say this is a wake up call from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4 and 5, where we read that. Let us not sleep as others do. Peter says, What manner of persons should we be in godliness and all manner of living? And holiness, seeing that these things are going to happen, is it a call to holiness. Is it a call to sobriety. Is a let us be sober, not sleep like others do. Is a call to awareness. Is a call to watch. To be looking for his appearing. As we continue in verse thirty-six, but of that day and hour no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, till the day that Noah entered the ark. Business as usual to those who are not aware, to those who are not sober, to those who are not looking for his appearing. They just went on living their life, building their own personal empire here, thinking that they only live once, they only go around once, all the sayings of the world that people believe. Business as usual until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one taken, the other left behind. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other left behind. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. We can see the signs and see the time period is upon us, but we don't know the day or the hour. We dare not predict that. Because no one knows it except the Father. But there's going to be this taking away of people. People are going to be left behind. Those are going to be taken away. Taken away where? Well, we already read it earlier in 1 Thessalonians. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds above the earth to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord there is going to be a calling of the church In the book of Revelation talks about the marriage supper of the lamb and then the physical grand appearing of Jesus with the church and with the angels to Jerusalem And it says in the book of Zechariah, and in that day his feet shall touch upon the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in two, shall crack open. There will be a great earthquake, says in the book of Revelation. Do you know that in the 1960s, they were doing Surveys, geological surveys of the land of Israel to see if there was any oil there, like there was in other countries all around them. And as they came to the Mount of Olives, they discovered a fault line in the Mount of Olives. And it runs east to west, just like it says in the book of Zechariah. Yep. Yeah. We're beginning to see all these things are, are set in order. And when Jesus returns, it will be a grand return. And he will destroy his enemy with the sword of his mouth and the brightness of his coming. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. There's that thief in the night again. Just like we read in Thessalonians. Therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And that ultimately is the question of the day are we ready are we following Christ are we disciples of Jesus are we following after him and not walking in darkness are we riding the fence Do we have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God that's not salvation salvation is a transfer a completion of the process of being transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son, being all in and coming into the family of God and becoming born of the Spirit. Not just going to church, but being born of the Spirit. And becoming a child of God, a son or daughter of God. As many as receive Him, to them does He give the power to become The children of God. There is a false notion in the world that everyone is the children of God. No. Those who receive Christ become the sons and daughters of God. It is a decision made. You can't be... It's not a family... It's not a family plan. We must each as individuals make a decision to become disciples of Jesus Christ and to follow him. He who follows me will not be in darkness, but have possessed the light of light. If Jesus came today, am I ready? We should all be examining ourselves. And to be wake up and to be sober. Wake up, O sleeper, and rise
1: from the dead and the light of Christ shall shine upon you.